0: Thank you for tuning in to the Sports Ecos Nets podcast. This is your host, Cody Mallory. You can find me on Twitter at RealCodyMallory. Tonight, I am joined by Joe Farrow on Twitter. That is at the Joe Farrow. Um, Anthony is not with us as he is at the Yankees game tonight. Boo, Yankees. But uh, Joe, how are you doing? We take a little break. Um, I mean, as Nets fans, the season ended early, but we didn't really get an offseason given all the drama. So we took about a week off. Get ready. We got training camp coming up a week from today. Media day is next Monday, so six days away. How you doing, Joe?
1: Oh, man, I'm feeling good seeing all the, the pictures come out of all the nets at uh, the practice facility, especially Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, seeing them all there. And Ben Simmons, it's just awesome to see. It really it feels like basketball is on its way back. I mean, I know everybody. I know you included. I've been very wrapped up in football. Um, our Giants are actually, <laughs> are actually giving, us, giving us some hope. But Hell yeah, but...
0: where's Anthony when we got to talk some shit to him about the Giants?
1: <laughs> no, yeah, but I mean, even though football just came back and we're all very excited about that, uh, Nets basketball is back, and that's, that's the big talking point in both of our lives. So I'm very excited.
0: Hell yeah, I've been huge. I'm very big into fantasy sports, like very big. Um, I actually just joined a dynasty basketball league. I think you were invited to it too. It's like a fantasy industry wide one. But anyways. So I'm, like, super big into fantasy football right now. Fantasy baseball is coming to an end. But basketball is the best, man. I can't wait. Like, seeing that picture with Kevin Durant and Cam Thomas and that facility, like, just hyped me up. Yeah. The relationships still like to be intact based off these pictures. I'm sure media day on Monday is going to give us some talking points, of course. Um, Uh, We got Ben Simmons going on JJ Reddick's podcast on Thursday.
1: That I'm excited for.
0: Me too. Like, I
1: think I'm more excited about that than Nets media day. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's definitely smart for Ben to like get out there. I feel like he hasn't said too much since the whole Philly situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's going to be talked about a decent amount on Thursday. Um, and then we'll, we, I mean, we've heard from like Stephen A. Smith in the off season that he's seen Ben Simmons talk with Ben Simmons, that Ben's ready to go. So I don't know, man. I'm just very excited for this team to finally play basketball together.
1: Yeah. And I mean, sticking with the whole Ben Simmons has been, haven't, like, we haven't really heard from him much. Ben Simmons, for the most part, is just like kind of like a radio silent guy. He's one of the few guys that, like, you can really look at in the NBA and just be like, yeah, he doesn't really, like, divulge into the outside media so much. Cause, like, his, his, um, like, even all of his social media is like, even when he posts something, there's like, it's just like emojis with a caption and stuff like that. And it's usually the one with the smoke right? oh, saying like, oh, I'm ready to go. But J.J. Redick is a very close friend of Ben Simmons. And uh, to see him get on that podcast and have a platform to speak about everything that's been going on. And I'm sure he, a lot of the talk, he's going to just talk about how excited he is to get on the court with guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and just how excited he is to be back after last year. But, man, I, that, I think that's a huge step for Ben, confidence-wise, getting back out, getting to tell his story. And just to do it with a close friend of his like J.J. Reddick, that's going to be awesome.
0: I agree, man. I can't wait. I'm definitely going to listen to it all. Uh, While we're talking about Ben Simmons, um, obviously we're both pretty heavily invested, involved into Nets Twitter. Yeah. The Ben Simmons at center debate has come up on my timeline. I'm sure you've seen it as well. People have been underneath my tweets. Um, Someone posted a stat of like what the Sixers plus minus was when Ben Simmons played center. It wasn't very good. I think it was kind of misleading because obviously if Ben Simmons is playing center, that means Joel Embiid, who is a top, let's just say sixth player in the NBA, obviously best player on his team, that means he was not on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Nets, that obviously would not be the case. Um, ben Simmons could be on the floor with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. But, I mean, in addition to that, the Nets scheme, like, is switch everything. So I see everyone saying, like, oh, the Ben Simmons strength is not guarding down low. Well, neither is Kyrie Irving. <laughs> like, yeah. and Kyrie Irving with guarding people down low. Neither, like, you know, like, Clarkson's very good at guarding on the perimeter, but you still want him down low to be able to rebound. The Nets under Steve Nash, whether you agree with it or not, their identity, their defensive game plan, their scheme has been switched everything. And hey, I think the, the Nets finally have a group that can do that. If you have Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, Joe Harris, the list goes on and on. They're all above six six. So if they get switched on to someone, like it's not a liability. And they're all average or plus defenders in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, this is what Sean Marks wants. I think it's evident he didn't get another big. They're going to the season with Justin Nick Claxton and De'Ron Sharp, obviously The Nets want to play small, whether you say Ben Simmons is the center, whether you say Kevin Durant is the center, whether you say, I don't give a shit, Royce O'Neal is the center at six 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 seven, it doesn't matter. They're going to be switched on to different people anyways. It doesn't matter who's guarding the center at the start of the possession. Whoever's guarding the center at the end of the possession is going to be completely different. I guarantee it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think the big thing... With the Nets is when you look up and down the roster, I mean, maybe if you look at some guys like the exception of maybe De'Ron Sharp, because we haven't seen it too much against like, uh like in like legit NBA action, but almost everybody on this Nets team moves very quickly laterally, like even like Nick Claxton, we've seen him have to guard on the perimeter. And that was a whole thing in Nets Twitter for the last two years, like blah, 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 failed the Nick Claxton test. Like you ISO one-on-one with Nick Claxton and you don't get a shot up, <laughs> you just airball. Like you can't do nothing against it. Like everybody, like you just said, all these guys that are 6'6 six, six and above and can move well laterally and stick with their defender. And when you're in a switch everything defense and you all, your only job really is to just stick with the guy you're guarding and you will get help eventually. And the Nets have put together a pretty good group of guys that I think can execute that defense fairly well. I mean, in the past when... You're running a switch everything defense with a lineup consisting of Kyrie Irving getting switched on to Al Horford and then Ben Simmons, not Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin covering, uh, say Jalen Brown. Like it's not going to work that well. But like now, I feel like right. when you get these guys, that they're, they're a lot younger. I mean, not, I, yeah, I guess they're a lot younger. But in, but for the most part, it's just guys that are that will give the defensive effort you need in that kind of defensive system. In, and the Nets, I think, are really going to embody positionless basketball this year just because of that switch-everything defense and the height on this roster that, I mean, yes, they don't have the seven-foot bruiser that, like, apparently the Nets are looking for, but, I mean, the Nets fans are looking for.
0: I was going to say, Nets Twitter is looking for yes. Let's put a still yeah. hold on that.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, there's also Nets fans that are convincing themselves that Utah Watanabe is going to be a great backup five for us. Like, absolutely not. That guy is probably not even making the roster out of training camp. But, but like you I think like the majority of our listeners and you understand what I'm saying. It's a lot of guys that are that have the ability to move well defensively on the floor.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, like, I think the Nets need to do something to address the center position at some point throughout the season. But, I mean, we saw it last year towards the end of the season in the playoffs. Like, the Nets had Andre Drummond. They had Lamarcus Aldridge. They were unplayable simply because they were just getting switched onto a dominant guard at the top of the key or a dominant wing, and they were just getting absolutely exposed. Like, and then they're like, oh. We have Drummond on the floor. Why aren't we getting defensive rebounds? Well, because he's guarding Jason Tatum at the three-point line. That's why he's not getting the defensive rebounds. Kyrie Irving's down low with Al Horford. Like, that's why. But if you have 6'6", or, I mean, Kyrie is the exception. I think Seth Curry will be in the rotation. 6 6'2". Patty Mills. Yeah. Patty Mills will probably be a regular season rotation. I wouldn't expect him in the playoffs if the Nets are full. Mm-hmm. Um, more of, like, that veteran leader. Do I dare say that Udonis has the role? But, um... <laughs> But, I mean, they'll have the size. Like, they're not – like you said, they don't have the big seven-footers. That's 6'11", 7'1", whatever. Like, they don't have that. But they are a much bigger team as a whole as compared to last season. I mean, last year, at some
1: points in the playoffs, we were running a lineup of four guards and Kevin Durant. Four like, we were were very guards. small
0: guards. Like, yes. Like, he, talking- we legitimately
1: – there was points. There were stretches in the playoffs where we ran – where we ran Seth Curry, Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills, Goran Dragic, and Kevin Durant. Yes. Like, like what team, like, how do you expect to compete defensively with that team? When you compare that to any combo of, okay, you're going to have Kyrie Irving on the floor because he's your, your second-best player, and then you have Kevin Durant on the floor who is seven-foot and your best player. But then you throw out combos of Ben Simmons and Royce O'Neill and Joe Harris and TJ Warren. It's undoubtedly better to match up with defensively. And all these guys can obviously put more into your team on offense than, say, Patty Mills can or, say, Andre Drummond was able to. I mean, it's like, it, it makes sense. <laughs> it, 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 you should feel a lot better about this Nets roster as a whole.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, like, one other quick thing, because, like I said, I've seen a lot of this in my mentions in the last week where we kind of took time off. I wasn't too active on Twitter, but I've seen a lot of it still. Everyone's worried like, oh, if you play Ben at the five, then he can't take advantage of smaller guards. I'm sorry, but I remember watching Ben Simmons play in Philadelphia. He would run dribble handoffs when teams were sagging off of him, and he was getting wide open jump shots for his teammates. You have Joe Harris, you have Kyrie Irving, you have Kevin Durant, you have any of Seth Curry, you have these guys coming off dribble handoffs from Ben Simmons with three or five feet of space like they're knocking down the shot that's the offense right there it's simple make the other team adjust so like that's nothing to worry about in my opinion
1: and Kyrie Irving has shown that he does not need to be a ball dominant point guard he played perfectly well alongside James Harden
0: I think that Kyrie Irving was better alongside James Harden than when he was the dominant guard
1: absolutely even even in the playoffs that's why we went out and got James Horn, because we didn't want Kyrie Irving to have to facilitate and create for everybody. That's exactly what Ben Simmons is going to do. And plus, he adds insane, si- insane size and defensive versatility. Ben Simmons is your primary ball handler for the Nets going into this season. And he should be. He should be the one running the offense. You should have Kevin Durant coming off of pin-down screens. You should have Kyrie Irving running floppy all over the fucking place. And, <laughs> and like, it's... It should be beautiful basketball if Steve Nash decides to learn how to draw up place.
0: <laughs> Even in the playoffs, like this past year, you could argue that Kyrie Irving was most effective when he was playing alongside of Goran Drogic.
1: Yes, he at was. Least
0: off- at, at least offensively. Obviously not defensively, <laughs> yeah. the black aside, but offensively you could argue Kyrie Irving was at his best when he was next to Goran Drogic and he was playing off the ball.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like we said, Kyrie Irving is a very good off ball guard and like, yep. don't let the handle fool you. Most of Kyrie Irving's career highlights are based on his handles, but he is not that much of a ball dominant player. I mean, when I he agree. gets the ball and he wants to iso, yes, he will be very ball dominant and he will run the shot clock down and just devour you with his handle, but he can play off ball. He has shown a willingness to do that. And I think he thrives in that role more than anything. I agree. So Ben Simmons being your primary ball handler, and I know I've mentioned this many times, but we spoke about JJ Reddick's podcast earlier. He has said on that podcast that Ben Simmons is the best guy he has ever played with when it comes to getting his teammate an open shot. So that should tell you all you need to know all the great guys that JJ Reddick has played with in his career to get him open threes. JJ Reddick knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I, trust, <laughs> I trust JJ Reddick and who he says gets him the most open three pointers.
0: Yeah, I, I I yeah, good person to trust. Um while we're on the news of Kyrie Irving, um so let's talk about Canada. And news dropped today that Canada is dropping their COVID nineteen vaccine requirement for entering the country on September thirtieth, which obviously Toronto would have been the one place Kyrie Irving would have been ineligible to play, but that should no longer be an issue. So as of The way things stand now, Kyrie Irving will be eligible to play in 82 out of 82 games going into the season.
1: That's a beautiful thing. And it's so funny that that news comes out on the same day that Mayor Adams gets boosted and then Kyrie Irving takes a shot at Mayor Adams for getting boosted. It's pretty funny.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's let's go through the Kyrie Irving tweet that kind of took Nets Twitter in awe today. Like, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but let's just briefly touch on it. So the tweet reads, and I quote, if I can work and be unvaccinated, then all of my brothers and sisters who are also unvaccinated should be able to do the same without being discriminated against, vilified, or fired. This enforced vaccine slash pandemic is one of the biggest violations of human rights in history, end quote. So that's the tweet. Whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, I don't care about. Personally, I don't care about your opinion. (laughs) It's your opinion. You're allowed to have it. My take on it is, Harry Irving had this stance last season. It's believed to be why he didn't get vaccinated. Um, it's why he didn't play when the mandate was in New York City, blah, 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 whatever. Just because he's eligible to play, I don't think anyone should have expected his stance to change on the issue. So I don't know why anyone was surprised about this tweet. <laughs> I know a lot of people were like, oh, great. I no, this whole other season of this bullshit, like, His stance never changed. Like, he was pretty strong and firm on his stance last year. I don't know why people thought it just because he was allowed to play now, do his job, in quotes, because that's technically what the NBA is, like why his thoughts would change on it. So I'm not surprised. I personally don't care as long as he's playing basketball. As a Nets fan, that is all I care about. Um, He didn't break any laws. He didn't do anything illegal. (laughs) So, like, everyone was freaking out. I think there's no need for it.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like like you said, you kind of summed it up perfectly. Like, nobody really cares about your stance. You can be a, as passionate about it as you want. But trust me, no, neither of us will give a shit. Uh, we just want to see play basketball. And this isn't going to stop him from doing that. In fact, on, like after this tweet came out, we found out that he's going to be allowed to play in Canada. So that shouldn't even be a worry at this point. Uh, he Correct. should about to get vaccinated. Again, who gives a shit? You want to be... Uh, big old social justice warrior, go ahead, sit on your high horse, but let the guy play basketball. Who cares?
0: Yeah, pretty much, bottom line, who cares? Like, it's not going to impact anything. Like, <laughs> exactly. like I said, his opinion, I don't know why anyone thinks it's different. Like, he was pretty strong on his stance last season. I don't know why anyone thinks it would be different now. But end of the line, who cares? Let's move on. Um, so since the last time we spoke, we got another Brooklyn Nets signing. Chris Chioza, some might know him as he's <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets legend is back. Um I forgot if about he it. makes it through makes it through training camp, I guess we'll see. I think a lot of people felt the Nets needed a backup point guard. am not sure <laughs> if they wanted a guy who was 4'11, but hey, yeah. got you guys a backup point guard, huh? Right, Joe? Yeah. Oh. I think
1: he's part of that uh, culture that Joe Si wants. Maybe that's what the Nets are going for. Wanted that culture back. You get Theo Pinson, not <laughs> But no, I mean, Cheese was always a joy to watch. He was always that one, like, bright spot of whenever the Nets had, like, that that those, like, 2019 teams when, like, they would get blown out. Like, when Kyrie, when Kevin Durant was hurt and Kyrie Irving was kind of there at times. and. They were getting blown out, and then Cheese would come in on his little two way contract and just slice and dice throughout the defense, and just be literally have little T rex arms and just throw in a little sick crossover and and just end up at the hoop laying it in reverse. It was fun, but I mean, I don't know if he gets through training camp. We'll see. But I mean, good for Cheese, I guess. Bringing some real, bringing some real championship culture over to
0: Brooklyn. It's true, wasn't he with the Warriors? Yes. <laughs> okay. NBA champion, I, mean, like, I like I like. I will be honest. Besides his size, like I feel like he's a solid point guard.
1: No, he is. He is. He's I, I just.
0: He's just unfortunately very small, <laughs> which he has no control over. So, <laughs> <laughs> but like, so, oh, I thought. I, I, like... I thought size doesn't matter around these parts. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we need basketball bad. We're almost there, Joe. We're almost <laughs> to actual basketball. We're close. Um, what else happened i think like that was nothing crazy i mean marquis we already talked about i don't think he was officially signed yet in the last episode we did uh, yeah. But we were talking about the rumors of it um i there was also a link that joe Sigh like personally recruited Marquise Morris. did you see that report
1: uh kevin durant also kevin durant was also on joe si's page with that they said like, yes. it was like a big reason why Mark is there, even though Mark is on a non-guaranteed deal, which is interesting because they said uh like Deandre Bembry was on a non-guaranteed deal. And Kyrie Irving was a big reason why he was in Brooklyn. And then the Nets ended up obviously cutting him later in the season for buyout players. So, I mean, like, yeah, Katie wanted him here, but if another, like if a better option comes along and they need to cut somebody, you're obviously going to cut the guys on non-guaranteed deals, save the team some money. So I mean take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, KD and, and Josiah both kind of wanted him both kind of wanted him here, but you're not gonna cut a guy who's like a lower tier roster player, like to to add somebody who was on a fully guaranteed deal. Like you're gonna save you're gonna save yourself some money. Like I don't see the Nets like full on like cutting, like just for example, like a David Duke to sign some veteran bio guy. Like they're gonna cut Marquise Morris. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, the Mets. I think he was a good signing. They still allowed themselves know. some flexibility, like you said. Um, speaking of David Duke, he's officially uh, under the two way contract. Your thoughts on that show?
1: I think he's good, and I, I like that as a especially as a two way. I would have liked it even if he was on a regular roster spot. David Duke last year showed a lot of like a lot of little flashes, and I think like especially as he was undrafted, right? I
0: believe so.
1: I believe so. Yeah, he was an undrafted guy coming up instantly, come in and play your way into a roster spot with a contending NBA franchise in year one and impress a lot of people. Um, very unfortunate name, but, you know, yeah. he, he was very good. So, I mean, I definitely like him on a two-way contract for the Nets, and I hope he stays around for a while. Hopefully he does the Kessler-Edwards route, and by next year he's on a standard NBA deal.
0: Yeah, I mean – he, I've heard that the Nets organization is very high on David Duke Jr. Yeah. Um, he, Like you said, undrafted, plays super hard, very hard, like a very high motor. he's um, got some decent size, good defender. It's just the jump shot, man. If he develops that jump shot, it'll take him to the next level. He has everything else.
1: We have, um, we have Ben Simmons and David Duke compete in a three-point shooting contest every day at practice and see who gets better.
0: I mean, there was stretches last year where he seemed comfortable and confident taking shots, and they would go in. And then there were stretches where he'd be left wide open and he wouldn't shoot it. Yeah. So, that- I mean, he, it could be a confidence thing. But like I said, if he gets that, look out. because He's high energy, hits the glass hard, plays good defense. Like, he does everything he wants.
1: I feel like he's like a, like a mini Andre Roberson kind of thing. Yeah. Like And I mean, I don't know if you had ever seen, but like during those prime OKC Thunder years, there would be full on videos of Andre Roberson, like torching guys on the Thunder from downtown in practice. (laughs) It came to the game when it came to the game, bro was not making nothing. And it was like full on (laughs) practice scrimmages and Andre Roberson was able to knock him down. But like, I feel like that's a little bit of the same thing with David Duke. Like he it's just like the confidence to do it in game. Um, yeah, I, I think he could develop that over time though, especially when you're playing around so many good shooters. I mean, I don't think there's a better place for him to really develop that jump
0: shot. Yeah, and I mean I think I mean, obviously Golden
1: I, State. Obviously Golden State, but like Yeah. <laughs> but like other than that, like you got so many premier shooters in the league on this team.
0: I honestly think, like I wasn't told this. This is just a guess I'm taking. The Nets feel he could kind of take that Bruce Brown role. Yeah. That's that's kind of my thoughts. He's kind of a similar player. Bruce Brown obviously became a better shooter towards the end of his Nets tenure. And I'm hoping, I'm thinking the Nets are hoping that David Duke kind of fill that void from losing Bruce Brown.
1: Yeah. Speaking, speaking of filling voids, I feel like somebody who hasn't been talked about a lot this off season is Kessler Edwards. Um, I feel like he's really the biggest X factor for the Nets next year. um, Cause he showed so much in year one as a as a r- second round rookie out of Pepperdine, like guy came in and just played with so much heart and improved so much over the year. Guy was starting alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving like yeah. late, late in the season, and he played his way off of a two way contract and got signed to a standard NBA deal. And I mean, he's gonna see some solid minutes, and that's just another big big like forward for us and i mean if he can show like if he can improve even a little bit from what he was last year become a little more consistent like with his shooting because i mean he was very inconsistent at times his effort defensively and his length and tenacious rebounding from that forward spot i think he's gonna get some solid minutes and he's gonna be a huge x factor off the nets off the nets bench this year
0: I agree. I would. I mean, I think he's definitely going to play, So I would argue I think Dayron Sharp's the biggest X factor for the Nets.
1: Yeah. I just yeah. don't know how willing they're going to be to throw him out there.
0: Yeah.
1: That's my thing. I would love it if Dayron Sharp became a big player for the Nets because that means he's improved a lot and that's just couldn't, there couldn't be a better situation for the Nets. But I mean, when you have Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant and you want to play that switch everything defense, I truthfully just don't know if De'Ron Sharp is there yet in terms of being quick enough to play that. Like I just don't want to get stuck in the same like Andre Drummond type situation from last year where we yeah. couldn't really switch everything to the fullest extent. And I mean, I would love it obviously if Dayron Sharp had the capability to do that. And we just don't know because we don't, we haven't really seen thus far, but I mean, yeah, I hope so. But other than like, there's, the three, the three rookies who actually played a lot for us last year, besides David Duke, are really going to be huge to determining how well this net, this Nets season goes. Because obviously, we saw Cam Thomas did very well in summer league. on Sharp also looked very good in summer league, and then Kessler Edwards. Those three guys, depending on how well they do and how big of a role they get to play, that that's the biggest group I think for the Nets this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think out of the three of them, I think Cam Thomas just has the hardest path to playing time. And I think he's the most talented, I just like based on his role. He's got the hardest path based on what the Mets have. And I I know we're not even at training camp yet, but I'm going to throw out a hot take that Cam Thomas is traded before the trade deadline.
1: I think so too, actually. Because I feel like if they really feel a need to upgrade that center spot, I feel like Cam Thomas is going to be one of the odd men out. Yeah. I don't uh, know if necessarily uh, the secondary piece is going to be in that deal. You're going to have to find salary from somewhere to really upgrade at that center spot. So, man, I really don't know. I mean, the obvious ones it's like you throw in Joe Harris for the salary. That's the obvious one. Or if yep. it's a lower tier guy, then it's Seth Curry. Like not lower tier in terms of like player, but salary wise. I'm like eight, 9 million. And then, Cam Thomas obviously is on that like rookie base, like four million or whatever. But if you need like bigger salary, it's Joe Harris. Um, I think it's it might be a combo of Cam Thomas and one of Seth Curry or or Joe Harris. Or even if they feel like Dayron Sharp can get it done too. Um, and they keep Cam Thomas while offloading a guard to keep Cam Thomas around. It's yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting. I could definitely see one of like either Cam Thomas or Dayron Sharp with a combo of Seth Curry or Joe Harris being moved at the deadline.
0: Yeah. Personally, I don't think that they're not interested in moving Joe Harris, but I guess we'll I'm find so, out.
1: I don't think so either. But it's just if, if you really need to upgrade that much and you have the shooting yeah. around, uh, if you have the shooting to go around on the team, like say Cam Thomas does show incredible improvement this year. And he's just like, it's just like undeniable that that guy deserves to be playing. And you think you could upgrade at center with a combo of, say, a Dayron Sharp and a Joe Harris. It just makes the team better overall to give Cam Thomas more playing time and to upgrade at the center spot, you know. But, I mean, obviously all theoretical. We hope nobody is traded. We like all the guys on the team. And we hope they all play well to the point where we don't need to trade anybody. (laughs) But but it's just hypotheticals and. Kind of all of it is a realistic scenario.
0: I agree. One last quick thing I want to end on, because we're talking about Joe Harris right now. Um, Jill Harris, agent, told the New York Post, Brian Lewis reported it, that he is 100% following a surgery and he is ready for training camp, which is great news. Obviously, there Joe battled that ankle injury, ankle injury all year last year. Ended up having surgery. Missed pretty much the entire season. Happy for Joe. Obviously, he's like a day one Nets guy. He's the only one left. Um, so I'll always root for him. And I think it's a big addition. Like I said, just the size alone, the 6'6". Six, six, like, he averages like four or five rebounds a game. Like, he's not great. But going from 6'1", six, 6'2", six, to 6'6", six, six is a huge difference.
1: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And Joe gives the effort defensively, too, which we love to see.
0: Right. He's not a great defender. Don't get me any. Don't get me wrong. But... Yeah. He so should you, you can't shoot over him like he's a traffic cone.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Like they, which is, which is Bills big. and Goron Dragic and
0: Right. Unfortunately, you cannot teach size, but You cannot. Uh, all right, Joe. Did we miss anything? I know if we kind of just went through kind of hectically the last week and a half of news that's come up.
1: I'm not sure. We're gonna get a lot of news this upcoming week so i think well we'll probably try we'll probably try to go again tuesday next week after we get a grip on the ben simmons interview and the nets media day but yeah for sure maybe even monday yeah maybe even monday night
0: because media day is monday i think it's i believe it's on yes network starting at 11 a.m eastern time Mm -hmm. um so maybe that night obviously we'll have to Ben Simmons stuff. Um, that podcast is Thursday, I believe, with JJ Reddick, Correct?
1: Yeah. Uh, JJ Reddick JJ Redick had tweeted that it's out on Thursday. I'm not sure what time. Usually, I think they come out around like 11 a.m. or noon or around yeah. there. Um. But yeah. So.
0: So be on the uh, lookout with that.
1: Two very noteworthy things to look out for for Nets fans.
0: But uh, just so everyone's aware, we are getting back into the consistent at least once a week. Once the season actually starts, we will try to do our best to record after every game or at least put out two or three episodes a week. So definitely stay out for more content now that we're actually going into the regular season in the near future. Um, Anything else you want to add, Joe? I think I'm all good. All right, Thank you guys for listening to the Sports & Nets podcast with Joe and Cody. Hopefully we'll get Anthony back on the next episode. Stay tuned for more Nets content.